With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. As always, we would like to thank all our listeners for their support. Please continue to listen to us and spread the word about our podcast to your cricket-loving friends. If you haven't done so already, please uh, do not forget to subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on, be it uh, Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CastBox, or anything like this. You can find us by searching for Armchair Cricket Podcast on any of these platforms. And also do not forget to leave us a rating, preferably five-star rating, and uh, leave your feedback. You can reach out to us by email. Our email address is armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. You can normally find us active on Twitter during an ongoing match. Uh, You can join us there for a banter and uh, have some fun. You can also find us on Facebook. Um, All links to these uh, channels are mentioned in the description box below. Now, continuing with our focus on the World Cup team selection, uh, we have a feature today on uh, Pakistani cricket team. Uh, We're pleased to inform you that we're joined today by Arham from Down the Ground Podcast. Down the Ground Podcast is a podcast specializing in Pakistani cricket. We'll hopefully get an insider's perspective on the team composition from Aram. Uh, we would like to thank him for his time. Now then, um, I would like to welcome my co-host today, Ajit. Hello, Ajit. How are you doing? How have you been? Hi, Giri. Uh, good evening. It has been a very interesting sort of a week for me. A lot of uh, up and down, a lot of uh, flows and a lot of mm-hmm. you know hard work. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm happy the week has come to an end. Let me put it like mm-hmm. this. 
right and uh, there is an icing on the cake right <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure so yeah. finally rcb won if that's what yeah. you meant great fantastic well, for some people i think it really matters <laughs> at well, least for kohli i think it does so mm-hmm. you know i was listening to an episode of uh, one tip one hand uh, they just mm-hmm. just podcast and they had a super fan from rcb this person is uh, also a part of the cricket kannadiga podcast whom we occasionally mm-hmm. call out here mm-hmm. and he was the way he was talking i mean i think it definitely needed for some people i mean he was really a very knowledgeable person actually mm-hmm. and he was sort of despairing at how rcb are not doing very well i mean he had a very succinct thing to say i thought i would recollect this and recall it here uh, he said only four things are wrong with rcb they don't know how to bat they don't know how to bowl they don't know how to field and the captain is not working that's all. well it was very pretty much some sub some sort of right <laughs> pretty much but yeah i mean look i think they're back on track i mean i think they looked very good also in the previous uh, game let's get into it a little bit more yeah yeah let's yeah. first look at the trivia mm-hmm. question right so what is uh, the trivia question from last week so we have actually a couple of uh, answers given to us by our uh, friends and our supporters so the trivia question for last week was who scored the first ever double hundred in 50 over wc match for a world cup match right so we have two comments and one a twitter follower called anish rao has guessed the right answer and also he gave us some very useful feedback on how our podcast is currently heard by people and our friends right mm-hmm. another regular listener and a supporter karna also gave the right answer to this question so the right answer to this question is chris gale he scored his double hundred against zimbabwe on uh, the 24th of february in the 2015 world cup only about 2 uh, to 3 weeks later in the same world cup of course martin gaptil also scored a double hundred but chris gale is officially the first ever cricketer to score a double hundred in a 50 over world cup match mm-hmm. so congrats to those that guessed the answer right but i'm happy to see that you know those those of our supporters and our friends who listen to this podcast are now also responding to these questions so it makes it more fun for all of us i'm sure right yeah. now then let's get back on the wagon rcb yeah. rcb have finally won a match good god man <laughs> yeah right so uh, if you were to look at this game maybe giri would you like to just take us through the highlights well um rcb for uh, for a change i think they won the toss this time uh, in mohali and then they put uh, kings 11 punjab on to bat um kings 11 had a good batting performance top order clicked um Rahul got a start. The other guys like Mayank, um, Sarfraz Khan, and also Mandeep Singh, they 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 got into double figures. But apart from Chris Gayle, I think nobody got uh, onto a bigger score. Um, so they they had a good start, but they kind of stumbled during the middle overs. And Chris Gayle tried to accelerate towards the end, and he was in fact not out at the end. But I think they were probably under par uh, for this pitch, and they managed mm-hmm. to score 173 runs for the loss of four wickets. and chris kale was unlucky to miss out on his seventh ipl 100 uh, so he he remained not out on 99 runs which comprised of 10 fours and five sixes mm-hmm. uh, man this guy is in uh, form you know he is is uh, he was playing against his old team rcb i think he probably had a point to prove because he was left out and i think they uh-huh. um so it, it kind of uh, you know um showed Uh, the rcb uh, supporters as well uh, what he was capable of and they probably miss him at the top of the order considering rcb are now opening with uh, guys like uh, you know uh, this keeper what's his name parthiv patel uh-huh. uh, just imagine what would have what would have happened if chris gail was still batting with uh, 
you know virat kohli they they probably have, would have had a good start but anyway let's mm-hmm. come to that in a bit um rcb bowlers were a bit disappointing uh, i think the quicks like umesh yadav and mohammad siraj went for plenty even more than 10 runs and over um navdeep saini for a change he bowled quite well he although he didn't pick up any wickets he went for only 23 runs in his four overs uh but the pick of the bowlers were the spinners uzi uh, chahal uswender chahal and uh, moin ali both of them were in amongst the wickets uh, chahal mm-hmm. picked up two wickets and uh, moin ali was very restrictive um, especially yeah. against kale you know off spinner against a left hander mm-hmm. and uh, he went for only 19 runs in his four overs uh, chahal went for 33 runs in his four overs but basically chahal put the brakes on the accelerator uh, so Kings 11 could not accelerate in the middle overs. Mm-hmm. Uh, in reply, RCB began quite well. Parthiv Patel and uh, Virat Kohli got off to a flyer. Uh, when Parthiv Patel got out, uh, the score was 43 runs, uh, and we were still at the end of the fourth over. So, if you look at it, I think they had a good power play, uh, uh, you know, start this time. And then Virat Kohli was joined by Abi Devilliers, and then they steadied the ship. They consolidated the start. and they basically um i think they took rcb to um, the the final target um pretty easily but then uh, kohli got out um trying to accelerate when the score was 128 runs uh, in the ah. 16th over uh-huh. because he tried to finish the game off i think they need some they needed something like uh, 48 runs in 5 overs and then he was just trying to you know accelerate he was hold, he held out uh, a deep mid wicket uh, and then ab dewlius was joined by uh, marcus toynis we were waiting for this guy to you know uh, come up uh, and perform for their team and this time he had more than four overs you know to uh, have basically he likes to get bat on ball just like dhoni you know he likes to spend mm-hmm. a bit of time at the crease and then accelerate towards in he, preci- he did precisely that um in the end um although you know rcb chased it down with four balls to spare 174 runs for two wickets in the end uh, so there were still four balls to spare like i said mm-hmm. um it just shows that um you know um when ab devilliers and virat kohli contribute uh, and one of them is there till the end like ab devilliers was not out on 59 runs and kohli although was out for 67 i think these two guys made sure that rcb were close to this target and then they you know one of these two guys finished it off uh, amongst the bowlers um the spinners i think they had more control Ravichandran uh-huh. Ashwin and uh, Murugan Ashwin, the other Ashwin, both of them bowled pretty well uh, for you know 24, 30 runs um, in their four overs. Uh, but the quicks like Sam Curran and Mohammad Shami and also Andrew Tai, these guys went for a lot of runs, more than 10 runs, which is also what we saw with uh, RCB bowlers uh, in the first innings. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, but. in the end i think this was a below par score maybe 15 runs short like uh, virat kohli also said at the uh, press conference um, so a welcome <laughs> win for rcb and their supporters uh, ab devilliers was named player of the match and uh, deservingly so i think um so I, i would say rcb you know they win their first match in seven uh, outings and they are well set for next season <laughs> if i may say that Uh-huh. providing they retain the core team uh, and you know uh, come back strong next year I, i don't give them a chance to make it to the playoffs i think it's too well although there is a mathematical chance mm-hmm. i think it's probably out of question at this point in time All i don't good. see I them mean, making uh, yeah making their way back 
Go ahead. No, it's 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 right. I mean, I think I agree with you on that. Look, at the end of the day, first of all, when it look when you look at the bowling, I think a lot of credit goes to both Shahal and Ali as the spinners, of course. I think Ali bowled a couple of very restrictive overs early on when the Kings eleven were flying at more than ten an over, right? I think he deserves a lot of credit for being able to get to, let's say, you know, keep them uh, under nine an over. That's the one thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing, I think Yuzvendra Chahal, both his wickets were six and out. I remember, yep. you know. So that's a that takes a big heart as a leg spinner to keep coming back and keep you know uh, getting wickets that way. That's fantastically well done. Then of course Sani who finished at under six and over in spite of you know having uh, when the rest of the team is going at you know seven eight and over you're doing a fantastic job, isn't it? So some kudos to all three people here. And of course when it came to the chase, I think you know let's not completely overlook the role of uh, Parthiv Patel because. He was able to give this boost very early on when Kohli was still sort of getting his eye in that, you know, they were 43 for one at the end of uh, four overs, if I'm not wrong. So that was a big deal that they were able to suddenly, you know, get a good boost and Kohli was able to play himself in. And of course, once Patel got out, Kohli and Villiers, more or less the old firm, the established firm, so to say, right? Mm-hmm. They more or less wrapped up the match and De Villiers planned to uh, camp out there till they won, of course. This is one thing. And Stoinis, what you're saying, he's a touch player, but he has a lot of power, isn't he? He has, or he shows. So this guy was able to, I remember there's a flick, beautiful flick he played on a ball, full on leg stump. He was just able to flick it clean and it went straight to the, you know, one bounce to the square leg boundary. And that sort of got him going. And I think he took two or three more force in that same over and that was a turning point. When he walked in sort of RCB were in a bit of problem because they were having like, I think 46 to get of 28 balls or some such, or 27 balls, mm-hmm. some such. Mm-hmm. And he was able to get a big, big, you know, uh, chunk of the scoring rate going. So, and also he took a bit of pressure off Villiers. I think he did a fantastic job there. So, just some small, you know, highlights that I saw. And I think David Villiers was rightly the man of the match, even though sort of Kohli outscored him, right? Mm-hmm. So, all in all, let's say they have made a fantastic comeback. I think they looked really good already in the last match. If for... You know, uh, Pollard really going uh, hammer and tongs. They would have probably won their first match already. But now they have done a good job and they have finally won. They're on the scoring board, so to say. And along with Rajasthan Royals, I think they're right at the bottom. Or maybe Rajasthan Royals are now also, after today morning's match, they're a bit in a better position, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But one one thing that really amazes me or was kind of surprises me is there is a guy called Pawan Negi in this RCB team who is a specialist left-arm spinner. Uh-huh. And he's also not bad with the bat. Of he course. did not bowl a single over. When you saw that uh, Moin Ali and uh, Yuzvendra Chahal uh-huh. did not go for a lot of runs and they were able to restrict the run flow, Pawan Negri did not get to bowl. I don't know why he was there in the team uh, in the end. I mean, he may have come into bat later. Should, you know, RCB, uh, would RCB had a bad uh, start. Uh-huh. But what's his role then? I mean, he's he's kind of redundant. And if you look at their last four, like, mm-hmm. you know, Umesh Yadav, Mohamed Siraj, Yuzvendra Chahal and Saini, they, these two guys, I mean, these four guys are not so good with the bat anyway. So they have such a long tail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Umesh Yadav came in for Team Saudi. So Team Saudi had a very bad match last time round. So he was replaced by uh, Umesh Yadav. Of but course. then again, I don't know, I mean, uh, what's, what's happening to these bowling, bowlers, you know? And uh, uh, apart from the spinners, uh, mm-hmm. these quickies are not, are not really doing that well. Uh, mm-hmm. Although Kohli said we came came back well with the bowling unit as a bowling unit, but I still think they have a lot of questions to be answered for um, you know when it comes to the fast bowling front. Um, so I mean, and there was one additional point I wanted to make here. Um, you know, Ashwin 
bowled uh, i think the last over uh, rcb required six runs of six balls and he he gave the ball to sarfraz khan who is a bit of a leg spinner oh man yeah well brought up yeah and yes. and and uh, in in the press conference ashwin said um, there was a bit of a dew of course so the ball was slippery the quick, you know quick bowlers could not grip the ball well and because you know um, murugan ashwin who is also an uh, who is also a leg spinner was restrictive and he was able to control the flow of runs Ashwin said Sarfraz Khan was a better option than Sam really? Curran. Sam Curran still had an over, and this guy yeah. had a hat trick at the same ground a few days ago. So why go with a new bowler? And Sarfraz Khan bowled his first ever over in the IPL. Can you imagine that? Precisely. No pressure whatsoever. Yeah, that was. So Ashwin probably missed a point there. I think uh, he 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 could have you know persevered with uh, Sam Curran and then just given it everything. I think um, I don't know what happened there, but. Maybe Ryan Harris is going to talk to him and then <laughs> sort things out there. So Ryan I Harris is their bowling coach. A, so it was a brain fade. You have a good point. I think it was a brain mm-hmm. fade or a sort of a. I can't really imagine this to be a preemptive sort of a move for giving a bowler who's never bowled uh, not try him in the middle overs, but give him the last over of the match. That is weird, right? Well, if if it was Mohammad Hasnain bowling his Mohammad Hasnain uh, who was bowling his uh, over, you know, first ever over, maybe that would have been a surprise element because he really bowls fast. And this is not Mohammad Hasnain. He's just Sarfraz Khan with a leg spin. And uh, Marcus Stoinis and A.B. De Villiers were both set, and Stoinis basically, you know, whacked him out of the park. Mm-hmm. So, end of story. So, and talking about Stoinis, he played two uh, cut shots. You know, sublime cut shots. I really love those shots. It was pure timing. Like you said, he's a very touch play, touch player. Although he has a lot of power. And looking at his, uh, looking at the way he's batting, I think Australia is going to be very a formidable uh, team in the lower middle order, especially. I think this guy comes along, in at five. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then you also have Ashton Turner, who did not turn up uh, for. <laughs> doesn't he play for Royals? Rajasthan yes, Royals. he's not got a game. This was a yeah. discussion point previously with Ben Stokes or Turner, right? Many people were mm. saying Ben Stokes needs to be rested and maybe Turner needs to be given a turn, you know? Yeah. So he wasn't there today as well. Uh, that, that was the other match, right? Uh, uh-huh. do, 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 shall we mention that very briefly? Yes, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. So, so the other match today was uh, between Mumbai Indians and uh, Rajasthan Royals. Mumbai Indians made 187 runs for five wickets in their 20 overs, and Rajasthan Royals chased it down with three balls to spare, thanks to um, a swashbuckling innings by Josh Butler, who who made 89 runs. Um, but the story of this match was, or the turning point of this match was, Josh Butler taking on, you know, a hero. in one of the other matches uh, from mumbai indians alzari joseph uh-huh. who had a fantastic debut match with six runs for 12 week, uh, sorry six wickets for 12 runs uh, uh, in his first match uh, alzari joseph went for 28 runs in one over wow 6 4 4 4 and then a 6 and josh butler just you know put him in his place basically saying that's not the way to bowl and after that uh, the match uh-huh. was almost done uh, in favor of uh, rajasthan royals but they made a mess of it thanks to bumrah who really bowled well uh, uh-huh. in the i think it was the 19th over but it required a cool head of uh, shreyas gopal uh, shreyas gopal to see them through in the end so in the end rajasthan royals won the match fair and square uh, but they should have done it uh, in a much more comfortable way so Alzari Joseph you know unfortunately had a very bad outing he went for 53 runs in his four overs that's not mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. it's not a 
proud uh, bowling record this match unfortunately it's unfortunate but, very unfortunate mm. but look i mean he's a very young bowler he'll learn mm. right getting and it also shows you what life in cricket is as a cricketer right so you get this 6 for 12 there's a fantastic article that's just come out by anesha ghosh that sort of mentioned the same thing you know in a week you you're the toast of all of ipl you've taken 6 for 12 then there you're 0 for 53 in the next match or something you know mm. that's a very mm. nice point right yeah all right uh, going forward i think we can also quickly discuss uh, pollard's timely reminder with the bat to the west indian selectors right Mm. So you know now uh, the with the new management taking over at uh, cricket west indies i think uh, you know they might actually reach out to some uh, some of the other cricketers who are sort of disenfranchised and such yeah. so kiran pollard made a fantastic fantastic uh, innings right at, at 81 runs of just 31 balls 87 runs out of mm. 31 balls some such 83 yeah. i'm sorry yeah would you like to talk us through this i think uh, you watched this match didn't you no i i mean i only saw the match i mean i think towards the end i but you know this guy you have to commend him for his efforts he single handedly won the match in spite of uh, kl rahul's uh, maiden ipl 100 you know um, but i think um, in the end uh, kings 11 punjab did not accelerate towards the end they had uh-huh. a good platform they didn't accelerate towards the end that was probably the difference between the two sides or difference between winning and losing and uh, they were about 10 or 15 runs short uh-huh. uh and uh, yeah pollard was there to you know basically he bludgeoned them all around the park unbelievable hitting um so you know it basically tells you that uh, he's probably knocking on the door now he's probably knocking on the door, door and the times are changing for west indies uh, cricket at the moment also in terms mm-hmm. of administration uh, so he may be in with a chance um we did our prediction for the team squad last time round uh, and we gave him an outside chance to make it to uh, the 15 you know uh, that will be picked we, we might well you know see him being picked for the squad of 15 for the world cup uh, in uh, june july okay okay mm. all right uh, i mean let's see let's see i mean i think uh, west indies west indian team would be strong with him stronger with him let me mm. put it like this so why not right yeah. so we wish him all the best and let's hope he makes the squad eventually right i know we also sort of put him as on standby more or less didn't we when we picked the squad last week so let's really hope he makes the squad right now this brings us to the other big uh, point uh, that is that uh, you know the way mahendra singh dhoni reacted when the no ball that was given was later retracted by the umpiring umpires on the field in uh, the match right in this match uh, where uh, against rajasthan royals in jaipur on thursday mm. the, that is uh, yeah a few days ago you could say that you know his 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 behavior was a bit unbecoming of a captain right the two for such a senior cricketer what are your thoughts on this kiri well i think um dhoni got out that same over right it was the last over uh, it was a very close match i think they needed something like 18 runs no even 18 runs from the last exactly game. exactly yeah and ben stokes was the bowler um so dhoni got out on the second ball of the over uh, he was bowled by ben stokes he was probably fuming for not seeing them through which we you know mm-hmm. expect him to do he's is there till the end and he finishes things off pretty nicely or he's there till the end at least as a not out but he got out and i think he was a bit unhappy with himself uh, for playing across the line and uh, getting bowled by uh, ben stokes uh, and the very next ball mid santner came out to bat uh, after dhoni got out and then the ben stokes kind of in my eyes it was a beamer so it was kind of a beamer it was it, it was, was about waist height 
and the main umpire the bowl the bowling bowling end you know signaled no ball you know only to retract mm-hmm. his uh, decision to signal it a no ball uh, based on the suggestion from the leg leg umpire mm-hmm. and this was you know uh, because uh, mid santler if he had known it was a no ball he could have you know basically tried to hit it out of the park or something <clears throat> and also you know they, it would have been a, a free hit the very next ball so and jadeja was not happy because jadeja was jadeja was the at the uh, non striker end and he got into a heated argument with uh, uh, with, with the umpire there i think it was bruce oxenford and then i don't remember the other guy he was the indian umpire uh, ulhas kande the name of the umpire was ulhas kande okay yeah <clears throat> and then mahendra soni uh, mahendra singh doni sorry um he was watching all of this from the dugout and then he suddenly got involved he, he became very animated he was started he started gesticulating uh, already from the dugout and i think yeah. nobody paid attention to him and then he steamed through you know walked through to the umpires he was there <laughs> and he was admonishing the umpire saying you cannot do this kind of you know you, you signaled a no ball you cannot uh, take it back how can you do this and all that in the end it was probably a no ball but but the umpire decision is final in the end you have to respect the umpire decision that's that's what you do in a game of cricket you nobody is above the game right so we know what will happen if you if you act, act so childishly i mean it was kind of irresponsible and it was also very uncharacter- uncharacteristic of uh, dhoni to act like this he is normally very cool i, I have yeah. never seen him behave like this and i was really really shocked mm-hmm. um you know and um, he has been you know docked 50% of his uh, match fees do you think that is sufficient uh look it was a little bit of a cop out by bcci really? you know mm-hmm. agreed look he's a big player he's a big presence in ipl all this being said and done i think they missed a chance here to sort of lay down the law so this was a second mm-hmm. sort of an event where you know a captain of a team openly mm, sort of let's say uh took down the umpires say in this case adhoni stepping onto the field even though he has had been dismissed he had no place on the field look sometimes mm-hmm. it happens that the on field players sort of uh, remonstrate with the umpire this is done but somebody who's really off the field to step in and walk gesticulating at the umpires that's that's almost as you say a school boy thing to yeah. do right and when somebody even though no matter how high profile he is a couple of match suspensions would have really looked nice because this is also the most powerful league in the world right and mm. this has been uh, let's say it's been uh, organized by the most powerful cricket board in the world as well so mm. all of these add to something you can't simply let go of such a high profile incident look previously even kohli had a similar way you know uh, that there was a no ball that he felt cost his uh, team a chance of winning the game and he had a go at the umpires in the uh, post match conference yeah. that is sort of still crossing the line but he did it afterwards so you know you could still be called and given a warning but this was when the match was still ongoing so there are, there are mm-hmm. these two incidents both of which so the first one there was hardly any talk from bcci this one they sort of gave him a 50% of his match fee come on is that a joke for this guy because <laughs> there should have been at least a couple of match bans or at least some sort of a suspended sentence yeah right that would have mm-hmm. sent the right sort of a signal to other players and other you know also spectators and organizers out there that you can't get away with this even ipl does not allow you even your mahendra singh dhoni that's the message that was required to be sent right that's one yeah. thing mm. now uh, well i mean you know what let's keep it short otherwise i could go a little bit about what happens when player power is 
uh, becomes rampant and the boards yeah. becomes you know the, what happened at the last days of anil kumble there is a very nice article uh, from karthik krishna swami on uh, crick info i think he goes into it in quite a lot of detail but, but at the end of the day i don't want to go there you had something no, but one thing one thing I, we have forgotten about is uh, the way he batted right he, he took them home almost took them home um, so th- i think they were about 24 runs and four wickets down when he came out to bat when, when he was batting Precisely. with uh, was it raidu i don't remember no it's it was not wide raidu i think it was no, it was raidu it was raidu it was raidu yeah they were bat. yeah so when he got together with raidu they were four down for 24 and then he almost took them home and the, i think the target was 150 150 plus so well done to him on the batting front but you know he has a lot of homework to do some cooling down probably needs to uh, yeah <laughs> i think he needs well. to uh, take some uh, time off away from the field yes. away from all the limelight and then get his uh, you know zen back right agreed so, agreed yeah. agreed well uh, speaking of keepers you know let's mm-hmm. quickly go on to the next point yeah there is you know if you look at the indian squad that is going to be announced on 15th of uh, april more or less the squad picks itself except for maybe one or two positions even one position as kohli said in an interview recently so before the squad is announced let's look at that one position and its contenders so the position is sort of a wicketkeeper batter who can also bat in the middle order sort of somebody who can support dhoni if required or take his place in the 11 or just fit in as a batter in the 11 you know somebody who can so the two contenders for this uh, slot are rishabh pant and dinesh karthik right hmm. so what are your thoughts which one do you think should go to the world cup kiri well <clears throat> i mean um this will make me look at the whole 11 firstly because uh, i would like to see what happens if one of these two guys is inserted into the squad and if dhoni is not playing so if uh-huh. dhoni is not playing and if you put rishabh pant in what will be his batting position right. i don't think he is a finisher yet i don't think he's uh, he has the uh, you know um, temperament to take the game game deep and uh, finish off a match or finish an innings right i don't think he has that uh, temperament yet Mm-hmm. but if you take dinesh karthik he has that and he has done it for a lot of times now not just for kkr but also for india in t20 format especially uh, so why not i mean he will also probably be able to do that in the world cup in odi cricket mm-hmm. so dinesh karthik would be then an automatic choice if we were talking about somebody a, a finisher you know a backup keeper or, or a keeper who is a finisher when dhoni is not in the squad mm-hmm. if dhoni is in the squad i don't see both of them you know as a backup batsman or uh, as an additional batsman so if dhoni is there i don't think both of them or any of them will be in the playing 11 mm-hmm. um, but if you were to consider rishabh pant as a keeper for some reason let's say dinesh karthik is not picked at all in the world cup world cup squad that makes it to uh, england uh, and rishabh, rishabh pant has to feature in the squad playing 11 then uh, where would you put him so you have the openers like shikhar dhawan and rohit sharma that is pretty much standard i think that's uh, that will not be changed mm-hmm. and of course you have a backup opener i think kl rahul with his current form in the ipl as well will probably make a comeback or will will be part of the squad but he will be there as a backup opener uh-huh. and the number 3 is of course kohli right so rishabh pant could come in at number 4 although i think you uh, you made a point offline that vijay shankar might fill in that spot of course yeah. we also have ambati raidu Precisely. I think should be at number 4 that is my opinion I think Ambati Raidu should play there at number 4 he has done enough to prove his worth mm-hmm. in which case Rishabh Pant could come in at 5 and then you have Kedar Jadhav who could right. come in at 
Um, but yeah, Rishabh Pant is he a finisher? If he is not, then he has to go up the order because he's also an impact player, right? So he can uh, mm. he can play a very uh, you know <clears throat> flamboyant innings, score quick runs. Mm-hmm. So I think I can go on and on, but considering a backup keeper with some finishing ability, I would go for Dinesh Karthik. Mm-hmm. However, if Indian uh, selectors go for Rishabh Pant, yeah, so it will you know set a cat amongst the pigeons there in the batting squad, batting order. Uh, well, I mean, let me offer a couple of counterpoints. So uh, sure. more than a counterpoint, one of the points I think I can sort of agree with you. Uh, the point is that well, I mean, look. He threw away two sort of finishing chances. One was against uh, Knight Riders uh, in yesterday's game, mm-hmm. where you know he was supporting Dhawan all the way. He should have stayed with Dhawan and finished the match off. Mm-hmm. Then he got out to a silly shot, and then I think Colin Ingram came in and finished it. Right? Colin Ingram or David Miller, I don't know, one of those two. Right. That's one Ingram. point. Ingram. So in in another match recently, where they had that uh, cycle, uh, you know, what uh, cycle stand collapse, as they would call it. <laughs> um, he was the guy that got out, that started the collapse, so to say. Yeah, absolutely. So it was his and Ingram's responsibility to wrap that match up. He made a terrible, terrible shot and he got out. That was sort of, again, unacceptable there from him. So this is another thing I sort of did not expect that he would do. So this, these two, if he had won these two matches, it would have made a lot of sense that, you know, you could also take him as a finisher. Or he was showing that he was growing as a finisher. Look, these guys' credentials as a batter at the highest level is very tough to you know, debate. He brings this X factor. He hits the ball hard. You know, all this is there. But at the end of the day, he's also had test match hundreds. So this guy can yeah. play. There is no doubt. But the rest of it is in the top uh, floor, as they say. It's in his head, mm. right? Mm. When it comes to number four against a moving ball, I mm. think either, as you say, either it has to be Ambati Raidu or Vijay Shankar, somebody who's more tactically uh, more correct. This guy is a bit of a, you know, let's say he he plays with his own technique. Let me put it this way. Right? <laughs> So yeah. that way, I think he doesn't fit in exactly there. Uh, because considering the World Cup is in England and there are some early morning starts, the ball might be moving. Uh, even up to 28th, 25th hour, you could be in there at, uh, you know, two down, three down, you could be there by that yeah, time. Yeah, you have and two new balls, right? Two exactly. two balls at either end, so it will be exactly. new. Hmm. So then I don't think his technique really would stand up. Look, he's placed tests, tests, but I think a more technically adept person is suited. That would be probably Vijay Shankar or Ambati Raidu, as you say, right? So... I sort of agree with you that given the nows that he has displayed under pressure, DK is probably the man to go. But I think the selectors may go in in for youth and the X factor that Pant offers. Mm. And the exciting prospect that Pant really is. Let me put it like that. Right? I agree with you on that. Rishabh Pant will be part of the squad. But since we had a question whether it's Rishabh Pant or Dinesh Karthik, I would personally pick Dinesh Karthik. And ah. uh, let the Rishabh Pant groom himself a little more. He can be part of the touring squad. I mean, he can be there yeah. uh, as a backup, but uh, backup batsman, not as a keeper, uh, only to play at the top, top order, maybe number four or number five. But I do, I will not play him as a finisher. But I think it's, it's, it's a you know a mouth-watering prospect of having mm-hmm. so many talented people. So the Indian selectors are. <laughs> have a very nice challenge to uh, you know uh, come up with um, a good squad I, they all they have a good bunch of players the the 15 that will make it to this squad which will probably be announced in a couple of days uh, we we will uh, i think we'll come back to that when the, it is announced uh, we will we'll go through that in more detail uh, but i mean it, it's going to be very exciting um, mm-hmm. so 
look forward to this look forward to uh, this uh, selection team selection right that then sort of wraps up our ipl highlight section this week so now let's go on to the world cup 2019 preview section and in this section today's team as you've already highlighted at the top of the show giri is pakistan right so now let's listen to what arham had to say i had a very you know nice chat with him and let's listen to this chat together right now uh, moving on uh, today we have a special guest arham from the down the ground cricket podcast who's here to help us analyze pakistan team's world cup chance, chances in the 2019 world cup hello arham welcome to the podcast hello ajit uh, i'm glad to be here uh, i'm from down the ground it's basically a pakistani cricket podcast so you can sort of say that we are uh, specializing in pakistani cricket so i think it makes sense for us to be here discussing the pakistan team and it's a good opportunity for us uh, to collaborate with other, other cricket podcasts so i'm glad to be here indeed i agree uh, it's a good idea because you can represent uh, the pakistani point of view very well i have heard your podcasts you guys talk in a very knowledgeable way and not just knowledgeable but i also feel the passion coming through right the passion that is always associated with uh, our part of the world when it comes to cricket right and i think yes. uh, you are a worthy representative to take forward pakistan's uh, you know perspective in this recording with us right Thanks. so all right sorry <laughs> before we uh, go ahead maybe uh, let's see if we can uh, quickly look at the historic perspective you know how pakistan has been doing over the world cups right so i'll just uh, give a quick uh, set of facts that we have put together here so first of all pakistan has played in every world cup so starting from 75 it has played it has been a part of every cricket world cup and uh, it has had of course a very uh, strong history so if you just look at the performances over the years in overall results perspective they have played 71 matches won 40 lost 29 and there have been two no results and of course everybody remembers the best result which is the 1992 world cup that they won and the heartbreak of 1999 world cup where they lost uh, to australia in the final but overall pakistan is always been a strong contender right so for me if you just look at the captaincy perspective i mean there are no surprises that uh, imran khan is has been the most successful captain for pakistan in world cups so before we go to imran khan let's just look at all the captains who've been uh, fortunate enough to captain pakistan in the world cups so asif iqbal was the first captain to uh, you know uh, lead pakistan in the 1975 world cup and the 1979 world cup and he led pakistan in five matches uh, with a 40% success rate so he lost three matches then in the 1975 world cup i, I think majid khan also got uh, an opportunity right so he uh, yeah. led pakistan in two matches so they won Uh, he won one and lost another so 50% uh, no success rate then coming on in the 83 world cup imran khan so when i speak about imran khan i think i'll go through the whole span so he captained both in 1983 as well as in 1992 so overall he captained pakistan in 22 matches at the world cup and they won 40 and lost 8 and of course he led them to the most famous victory in uh, australia right his uh, win percentage is 63 then uh, in the 1996 world cup and the 1999 world cup it was wasim akram he led pakistan in 15 world cup matches of which he won 10 and lost 5 and uh, that gives him a you know uh, 66% win record then uh, in the 20 2003 sorry 2003 world cup it was his uh, good friend wakar yunus who led uh, pakistan 
So he led Pakistan in six matches where there was one no result. He lost three and won two and a win percentage of 40 again. Then in the 2007 World Cup, it was Inzamam Haq. He captained Pakistan in three matches and uh, they only won one match and lost two. I think in that uh, World Cup, it was a disaster for both teams, right? Uh-huh. Um, yes. Then going forward, uh, in the 2011 World Cup, it was Shahid Afridi and uh, he won uh, six matches out of his eight. And surprisingly, Shahid Afridi has the highest percentage of win-loss when it comes to you know, World Cups. So he has a 75% win-loss ratio. In the 2015 World Cup, it was Ms. Bawlak, who also has a good ratio. He won four and lost three. So it is 57.14. These are the captains uh, of Pakistan through the World Cup. And also it more or less gives us a win-loss percent in every World Cup with that, right? If you were to yeah. look at the best performers of, uh, when it comes to batting, right, in uh, World Cups for Pakistan. So there are no surprises who's right at the top. Arham, would you like to take a guess or did you already look this up? Uh, I think it will be our legendary uh, Inzamamul Haq, maybe. I'm not sure. Actually, That's I'm not, not sure about this because uh, uh, I'm not sure. I wasn't sure because Pakistan usually haven't had a good batting record in the World Cup. So, yeah. well, it is uh, Javed Dutt, the guy who's. Oh, uh, yeah, champion. of course, of course. Wow. Uh, I slipped out of my mind. Yes, of course. Yeah, he's yeah. he's no. played the most World Cups. He's played of the course. most World Cups for Pakistan. In fact, this was one of our questions. I don't know if you heard it, one of our previous episodes, because we linked it to that famous six in Sharjah. Yeah. So we mentioned that this is the person who played six World Cups for his country. right? So yeah. Javed Miandad is right on top of this list. 33 matches, average of 43, 1,083 runs. Then Saeed Anwar with 915 runs from 21 matches, average 53. Inzamamul Haq is third, 35 matches, slightly less uh, runs, 717 averages, not so good, 24. Then yeah. Ramiz Raja, surprisingly, 16 matches, 700 runs, 53 average. <laughs> and Imran Khan, batting, uh, Imran Khan. Towards the end, he was very strong, right, if you remember. Yes. So, yeah. 28 uh, matches, 24 uh, innings, and uh, 666 runs, 35 average. But uh, these are the top five. The In the sort of current crop, Misbah is on sixth. 15 matches, uh, 598 runs, average almost 50. And Umar Rakmal. Uh, he's played two World Cups and 14 matches, so 36.72 average. Then there's Ahmad Shahzad, who's, I think, almost around 12th, 13th. He has uh, mm-hmm. 12 matches and 22 average, but 271 runs. So, Hari Sohail has played, I think, six matches as well and so on and so on. So, uh, I think what I mean to indicate with this is that, uh, you know, the new crop of players have a chance to make a record for themselves by, you know, becoming stars at the upcoming yeah. World Cup. So, yes. if you look at the bowlers... Again, no surprises. I think it's absolutely no surprises in the top five. Well, there's one for me, but let's see. Who has who has the most number of wickets for Pakistan in World Cups? Uh, I would think Wasim Akram or Ashim. Shahid Afridi. Well, you oh, got Wasim two Akram. two in the top five. So absolutely right. <laughs> two in the top five. So Akram is on top, 38 matches, 55 wickets. Imran Khan yeah. is on number two in the bowling stacks, 28 matches, 34. Wickets. Then Shahib Akhtar is third, 19 matches, 30 wickets. Shahid Afridi is fourth, 27 matches, 30 wickets. And Mushtaq Ahmad, 15 matches, 26 wickets. You see some big names missing out here. I mean, because, you know, Pakistan team is always yes. very strong bowling-wise. Wakar Yunus yeah. is down to around ninth, 13 matches, um, and only 20, well, 22 wickets, 13 matches is not bad. But, I mean, what I wanted to say is, you know, uh, I expected yeah. at least Wakar Yunus to be up a bit up in that list. Akim so Jamal. did I, but 
Yeah, but yeah. I think Vakai Yunus missed uh, the 1992 World Cup. So yeah. when he was at his peak, so that played a bit of a role in him being so down. Yeah. I think did he play the 2003 as well? There was some disagreement. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he played the 2003 World Cup. It was ah, his last. 99. Tournament. Sorry, 99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you're right. He was a captain in 2003. You're right. Yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's a very illustrious list of who's who. When you look at these top five in both batting and bowling, they are probably the top five also if you look at overall stats for Pakistan. Yes. Very, very illustrious, uh, you know, uh, set of people to have got a chance to represent Pakistan in World Cups. Now, um, well. That was just a historic perspective of what Pakistan uh, has achieved. And we can just take a quick look at that amazing match in, uh, you know, uh, 2000, uh, sorry, sorry, in the 1992, where, you know, Pakistan beat uh, Australia. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, yes, the 1992 World Cup final. Uh, I wasn't born then, but I've seen a lot of highlights and I've seen... Uh, I've read a lot of cricket books, so I've read Javed Miandar's book, I've read Imran Khan's book. So wow. I saw that, uh, you know, I saw I could see the emotions in the words of the of the pages. You know, Javed Miandar, he was very he was sick in the World Cup final, but he batted through. Imran mm-hmm. Khan, he made 72. Inzam Amul Haq played a little innings, uh, and that, uh, you know, it propelled Pakistan to a good score. And then we all know the Wasim Akram magic in the bowling. And he, he was the man of the match in the World Cup final, I believe. So yeah, yeah. He, he, he had a magical spell of bowling. And it, it was it was a historic victory because of the context of the tournament that Pakistan had had before. Uh, they were losing. They were on a losing streak. But suddenly they picked up and they were they were on a roll. And eventually they won the World Cup uh, in, in their tide. They were the Indeed. corner tigers as Imran Khan labeled them. Precisely. In fact, there's a book by that name, isn't there? Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm very nice, uh, you know, it's, I'm very happy to listen, you know, you've told me your age offline, of course, but uh, yeah. for a young guy, you're very well read, man. Very nice to hear that. And I hope it continues. Thank you. Thank uh, you. All right. Now, uh, so it, it was indeed a historic victory. And uh, I would also give a lot of credit to Akib Javed, actually, who opened uh, with Wasim Akram, you know, with the new ball. Yeah. 10 hours, 27 for two. That's fantastic. And Mushtaq Ahmed. Uh, 10 hours 41 for three and you know back in the day probably 250 was a big total and uh, now it's yes, nothing it probably but 50 hours 250 was a big number there because uh, i think pakistan um, slowly took control it was like a strangle I, mean, it, I remember the chase watching it uh, i don't have the benefit of youth like you do but mm-hmm. i remember watching it on tv and um, mm-hmm. i was very young but still i remember and i remember it was a strangle that it was you know they slowly took the control that england started not so good but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they were able to f- come back to a decent position that at 5 for uh, 141 or 4 for 141, they still had a lot of chance. So they were like, uh, yes. you know, you could say some 17, 18 overs, 100 runs to win. So considering it's a World Cup final, it was a good chance that they would, that uh, I think uh, Alan Lamb getting dismissed was sort of the key. And Akram, I think he took two wickets. Akram, yes. That finished yes, the match. Yes, that was a magical spell oh, yes. of bowling. Uh, so as I everyone remember that, that, that uh, what Akram looked like. Sorry, mm. you say? No, I was just saying I was agreeing with you, uh, Akram. It was a great spell, and it probably changed the match and turned the match in favor of Pakistan. So it was a match-winning spell, and deservedly the man of the match. Of course, of course. And also, I think he came out to bat. I think he hit a very quick fire 33, right? And I think that changed uh, the course of the total. Instead of Pakistan finishing with 235, they probably finished with 249, which you know sort of made it more. 
uh, tough for England at the end. I mean, I'll not say that the winning margin was near the, nearly the same, but that's how it sometimes happens. That you know, those extra 15 runs at the end help you. I think that was also very important. But all in all, a fantastic moment, and I think. Uh, Imran Khan chose to retire after that and it was uh, sort of, uh, you could see he was not the force he was when he bowled the final over of that match. But by then the match was finished. There's some 17, 20 runs, something required and it was a fantastic, fantastic match. I remember and not very long ago, a year or so ago, I happened to catch the highlights as well. So it, it was nice to sort of recap that. All right then. Now uh, we've sort of also looked at some golden uh, moments from Pakistan's World Cup's history. Maybe we can now go into the... Um, squad. So, uh, shall we take a look at the possible players that are in and around the Pakistan squad? So, you know, we've sort of come up with 15. So, I'll let you uh, also have an opinion here. How would you like to do? Shall we look at our 15 and debate it? Or shall we go through a bunch of players that are in, you know, let's say, a probable bunch and then look at a 15? How would you like to do this? Uh, we could look at the probables for the team. So, uh, you can start with you can start with it. All right. So when I look at the probables, right, so uh, we have Amr Yamin. So I think it's uh, arranged alphabetically. We picked it up from Quick Info. And uh, we have Amir Yamin, Azhar Ali, Fakhar Zaman, Hussein Talat, Junaid Khan, Mohammad Hafiz, Mohammad Rizwan, Sarfraz Ahmed, Shan Masood, Umar Amin, and so on. So rather than going through the probables, let me do it like this. I'll, I'll concentrate on two matches. One is the South Africa ODI, the last ODI that Pakistan played against South Africa. And the other yeah. one is the, the one they played against Australia. This, when you look at yeah. the scorecard of these two, the mix and match on those two is probably the good you know, choice for us, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So first, let me let us go through the Pakistan versus South Africa last ODI scorecard. Yeah. So yeah. in this case, it was Imamul Haq, Fakhar Zaman, Babar Azam, Muhammad Hafiz, Shoaib Malik, Muhammad Rizwan, Shadab Khan, Imad Wasim, Muhammad Amir, and uh, Arya Mohammad Amir and Shahin Shafridi. So this is the 11. What do you think of this 11? And uh, whom do would you think you know would probably take some places in this 11 for you? Uh, I think this is basically most of the players are in this 11 are confirmed for the World Cup. Uh, yeah. I think all of these players are in fact confirmed for the World Cup, but not in the playing 11. Mohammad Rizwan, I don't think that he'll be in the playing 11. Uh, Safraz Ahmed, the of Pakistan course. team captain, he was. Uh, he wasn't playing the last couple of ODIs in the South Africa series. So mm-hmm. he'll be replacing Mohammad Rizwan. Maybe Mohammad Afiz. I've heard news that he he's getting fit. But if he if he does if he misses out, I think Mohammad Rizwan could replace him in the 11. Or Haris Suhail maybe. He could also also replace Mohammad Afiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the spinners are concerned, Shadab Khan and Imad Wasim. I think only one of them will be in the playing 11 for the Pakistan team. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Fahim Ashraf, the bowling all-rounder. Uh, he'll replace uh, one of these two. Uh, the rest, I think, Mohammad Amir. He's had a ba- pretty bad run of form as of late. So there are some statements that have come out in the media that uh, the local Pakistani media that show that he he's not exactly 100% confirmed for the World Cup. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe he'll make the squad, but I don't think that he's exactly first choice anymore. So I think that he'll be in the squad, but not first choice. The rest, Shine Shafridi is basically confirmed. The yeah. 18, the, the recently 19 year old, he turned 19 recently, and he's mm-hmm. a very good bowling prospect for Pakistan. I think he's confirmed. And Usman mm-hmm. Shinwari, I think the debate is whether Usman Shinwari or Mohammad Amir will go to the World Cup. So ah. I, I think that Usman Shinwari will get the nod over Mohammad Amir based on recent form. 
or may, maybe maybe uh, junaid khan he could also be in contention but uh, if he is he'll also go against mohammad amir so i think that uh, if if it, if it comes down to those two the management will go with mohammad amir i see interesting so uh, for me somehow uh so let's get into the meat of the issue mohammad amir was going going to be one of the let's say main discussion points for me as well right you brought it up so for me somehow mohammad amir would be either it would be him or junaid khan is what we had thought of when me and giri we spoke about it previously for me usman shinwari goes to the squad as because he's also a little bit of an out and out fast bowler right he can hit 150 yeah. but it, for for us we thought usman shinwari could be taken as a you know wild draw card you know Shahin Shafri is very fast, but he not he doesn't have the control that you would want somebody with his height and his pace to have, right? But he's getting there very quickly. So yes. to counterbalance somebody like him, you would need a little bit of a wizened head. Hasan Ali is good. Fahim Ashraf is a little unpredictable, but Hasan Ali is coming through very nicely for me. Huh? Yes. So Hasan Ali will play, and as yes, you yes. say, he's confirmed. He's confirmed yes. for the World Cup. He's the leading bowler for Pakistan, so there's no doubt about him. So Fahim Ashraf would be, let's say, the fast bowling all-rounder, if I may put it like that, right? He can yeah. both bat and bowl, and he can actually surprise you with the pace. Sometimes I saw he's surprisingly quick at times. Fahim Ashraf. Yes, Or, yes, he's he's quite nippy. He's he's very yeah. he he surprises the batsman with he can throw bouncers or slower balls. So he's a bit of a you know uh, you you wouldn't expect it of him, but he produces the results. Exactly. You know, for me, sometimes uh, he reminds me of this Wagner. You know, Neil Wagner from New Zealand, who plays in. Tennis. Yes, that's a very that's a very good comparison because both of them are quite uh, underrated with the ball. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's a good comparison. But this guy, I think, can bat a bit. So in him and uh, I think, look, you're right. In this scorecard, we saw two spinners. But in the World Cup, when they start off, probably either one of Shadab Khan or Imad Wasim will play, and a fast bowler would play. And uh, yeah. for me. Uh, that is also fine so as we said fahim ashraf is good looks good hasan ali looks sort of nailed in only thing is uh, who take the sort of the senior pro so for me uh, amir's you're absolutely right amir's role is important that role who whatever who will play it, whether it's amir or junaid for me that position is important because it's the person who will keep the team in check because shahin sadaf afridi is very young uh the usman shinwari can be a bit unpredictable so it will be hasan ali and whoever will take that place for me i think amir or junaid might be the pick and then it might be usman shinwari or mohammad hasnain but i think mohammad hasnain is still very untried right what do you think about mohammad hasnain yes. mohammad hasnain he is very pacey and he's he has pretty good pace but he lacks control uh, he played in the pakistan versus australia series exactly and that was that was the, his odi debut was also his debut in list a cricket so mm-hmm. he hasn't played ah. any sort of list a cricket before so all right you would you wouldn't you shouldn't expect that he'll be uh, he'll suddenly magically be a uh, very good uh, like a very good option for the world cup i wasn't yeah. in favor of him being selected because he's ah. very young he should mm-hmm. play more domestic cricket before being selected for pakistan in odi or test matches all right you know uh, let's park this to the end i just wanted to ask you about uh, the domestic uh, cricket uh, upheaval or let's say a change that has been proposed and mm-hmm. imran khan said don't do it like this we'll discuss it at the end maybe just a point for okay. me sure. all right so for me then there are some other contenders just in and around the squad right there's saad ali who sort of a middle order bat then there's uh, mohammad abbas because he offers control he's the i call him the desert lion always because he's so good mm-hmm. in the uae mm-hmm. conditions right so the desert lion and also abbas means lion if i'm not wrong in arabic 
right? So it's a joke. It yes. Works. So <laughs> Muhammad Abbas. So uh, for me, what about these two? Then we'll get into the other bone of contention. So for me, do you see these two making the squad? Let's say Muhammad Abbas, Saad Ali, and let's also throw Yasser Shah into the mix. What about these three? I, I don't see any of them being in the squad for the World Cup. <clears throat> Yasser Shah, he's simply been not been good enough in ODIs. So yeah. he's basically out. Uh, Shadab Khan will replace him in the squad. And uh, Muhammad Abbas, he he has a he has a decent list A record, but he hasn't done very good recently in list A cricket. So I I don't think that uh, and he played a couple of games in the Pakistan versus Australia series recently. He didn't uh, do very well. He didn't impress. So I don't think that they'll go with him. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Saad Ali, the middle order batsman. I don't think if Mohammad Afiz uh, comes into the squad, I don't think that Saad Ali has any chance of being in the squad. Maybe okay. after the World Cup, he can get a longer run in the squad. But as of now, he doesn't have a place in the squad. All right. And I think I mostly agree with you. Those three, I don't see them making the squad at all. Then mm. we look at a backup keeper. So I think uh, Mohammad Rizwan is nailed on for Sarfaz Ahmed's replacement, both as a batter as well as a keeper. Right. I think that's more or less fixed. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, Mohammad Rizwan, he had two centuries in the Pakistan series, on the Australia series recently. So, he's basically confirmed for the squad as well. All right. Then, maybe, you know, you know alternative for opening slot, we had Shan Masood and Abid Ali. Uh, hmm. Do you see one of them making the squad 15? Maybe Shan Masood, maybe Abid Ali as a backup, you know, you have, of course, Fakhar Zaman and uh, Imam Haq will probably start. But uh, if you need yes, a backup... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Fakhar Zaman and Imam will start, but as a backup, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Uh, both Shan and Abid are in contention for the squad as the third opener, but uh, both of them, it, it's a very tough choice to choose between either of them because both of them had, have had very good recent record in list A cricket. Shan Masood has the highest ever average for a list A batsman, so wow. that's a pretty great record. And Abid Ali in the last two seasons, he only had one century uh, before the last two years. And now I think he has six. He also wow. hit a double century in list A cricket. So he's, he's Abed Ali and he also made a century on debut, uh, on his ODI debut against Australia. But uh, Abed, I think, has fitness issues. Shan Masood is very good fitness-wise and he hasn't produced the results in uh, ODI cricket so far. But it's a, like I said, it's a very tough choice to make because both of them have done very well in domestic cricket. So, uh, but Shan, Abed had made a century on debut, but he got a duck in the next game. He hasn't played mm-hmm. any other games since then. But mm-hmm. Abed, in fact, uh, as of now, uh, on the day of this recording, Abed, he actually hit a century in the Pakistan Cup final today. Uh-huh. So, so that could that could propel him into the squad. But as of now, I'm not sure between any of them. But if they go with anyone, I think that they should go with Abed because he has the, uh, the backing of form with him and he, he's done very well and he, he deserves a spot. He's done well in list A cricket against uh, England A and uh, Australia and New Zealand A as well. So, I think that uh, Abid deserves a go for the World Cup. Uh, so, you would put him ahead of, uh, let's say, Shan Masood. Because Shan Masood yes. has some test match experience in England or he grew up in England, right? He played his uh, yeah. formative cricket in England. So Yeah, he did. No. All right. Okay. You're saying something? Sorry. No, I was just saying that Sean, uh, he has uh, he has played in England before, but he hasn't really impressed in Test cricket over there. So, I ah. but uh, I don't think that that should be a qualification because Abid has actually done really very well in 
ODI cricket and in list A cricket recently. He's done better than Shan, so I think mm-hmm. that Abid should get should get the nod over him. All right, interesting. So when it comes to middle order spots, let's say you know you have uh, of course Hafiz, who's sort of as you say he's recovering from his latest wrist injury. I think he had another operation recently, right? Yeah. So yes, we don't know if he'll make it. But uh, how about now? I'll come to the other bone of contention for me, Umar Akmal. Oh, that's a very that's a very interesting topic, you know, because Umar Akmal he's done well in domestic cricket, but he mm. was given a chance in the Australia series, but he didn't impress. He didn't score big, so uh-huh. I think that that was his last chance. And coupled that with his uh, violations of uh, team curfew and stuff, is he has pretty. He has a pretty bad uh, record as far as you know uh, behavior is concerned. So yeah, I don't yeah. think that Mickey Arthur is a very big fan of him. I yeah. don't think that he'll be in the World Cup squad. Probably are right. But I mean, for me, he would make a nice replacement for somebody like Hafiz if Hafiz cannot go. You know, of course, yes. Hafiz also bowls for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe his experience is really important. I think he finished a couple of matches, tight matches for Pakistan recently, Hafiz. So I think his importance yeah. is still remains in the squad, but if it doesn't go for me, this guy could be chosen. But you're right; I don't think he showed enough in this recent series. He, if he had at least one 50-plus score, na, one of those matches, yeah. if he had turned, it could have been perfect. Now, yes, exactly. Yeah. I'll throw one name at you. You probably expect it coming. Fawad Alam. Fawad Alam. What has he done, that man? man? That man is a legend in domestic cricket, but for some idiotic or some i don't know there is no valid reason to keep him out of the squad but he he doesn't make the squad at all and i sadly i think that he's past his peak now so i think wow. he's missed his chance he had his chance i mean he deserved it but he didn't never got it you know after his uh, uh he after his first few test matches he was dropped then after mm-hmm. a few years he was brought, brought back in odis then he was dropped and he's never come back even though he's done very well in domestic cricket but he hasn't been brought back I think that uh, I don't think that he's he'll be in the World Cup squad because he hasn't done well, well in recently because we are, but he's past it I think he's past that age now I don't think that he'll he is in any uh, you know any version of the squad because uh, Inzamam will never go towards him now Oh man that that would be a real pity because you have examples of people like Misbah right I mean you you have yeah. examples of people who have shown Yunus Khan, Misbah, Javed Miandad, who played much later into their careers. And yeah. I'm just hoping he gets another chance. I had a soft spot for him. I don't know why from the beginning. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, he's Everyone not has a soft spot for him. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> won't be in the ODI squad at all. Uh, okay. If he if he has a go in international cricket, again, I think it will be in test matches because right. that's his first class is his strongest format. So mm-hmm. if he has another go, I think that they'll go with him in test matches if they go with him. But uh, in ODI, I don't think that he's in any... You know, I don't think that he's in contention for the World Cup. All right. By the way, I've not been following closely the ongoing Pakistan Cup. Uh, too many distractions, mm-hmm. by the way. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, are there any new names that we have not actually discussed? So we have gone through many names in this past 10-15 yeah. minutes. Any new name that you want to bring up that has some chances suddenly to make the squad? Khushdil uh, Shah, he, 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 has, oh, he recently hit 150-odd in 70-odd balls in the Pakistan Cup. And I don't think that Pakistan cricket has seen a big hitter like that recently. Wow. Asif Ali, Asif Ali he, he has potential, but 
I think Asif Ali batted very well yesterday in in the Pakistan Cup. He had 62 of 40 odd balls, but he before that he hasn't been in very good form, and because of personal issues, uh, ah. I think that uh, Asif Ali. I don't think that he'll be going to the World Cup any either. So, uh, so I don't think that Asif Ali or I don't think that there are there are any new names actually. I don't think that Khushdil Shah will get automatically get selected for the World Cup because of a couple of innings in the Pakistan Cup. So I don't think mm-hmm. that and uh, for some strange reason the Pakistani selection committee in the middle of the Pakistan Cup they named the probables list in the middle of the domestic tournament. So I was I was seeing sense. that. I wanted to ask yeah. you about it. What's they have called for a fitness test or something in the middle of the domestic tournament? What's going on? I didn't quite understand. Uh, no, no, no. It's not a fitness test. They just named a few probables. It, I think they named 23 who will be who, who the 23 players who will be tested. Uh, Omar Akmal was not in the probables list, so that's that. Ah. And uh, I yes. don't think that there were there were any surprises over there. Yeah. I, Asif Ali was named there, but I don't think that he'll be going to the World Cup. Uh, the, today, the Pakistan selection, uh, the, the PCB announced that uh, they'll be going with a 15-man squad for the World Cup and, and that there will be two reserve players. So, the two reserve players, that's going to be a pretty tricky. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that they'll go with uh, another baller, another spinner. Okay. I think Mohammad Nawaz. Mohammad ah. Nawaz could go to the World Cup as the reserve player. All right. Yeah. He could be like a backup for Imad or... Yeah, Shadab bats, yeah. right? Shadab Khan bats. So I think he would sort of be. They both bat, frankly. But I somehow yeah. trust Shadab more because he he has a more <laughs> slightly more classically grained technique. It looks yeah. like Shadab. Yes, he does. All right. So yeah, I think we went through a few uh, players. Let's say all around uh, the circuit right now who are sort of you know either have represented Pakistan recently or are sort of set up to be in the squad. So I think uh, let's just go through the squad. So for me, we've come up with 15 names. So we have some. If else, if else. That is, if not this guy, that guy like that. So, I'll okay. run you through that. Let's see if there are any surprises for you. I think I know which one you're going to object, but let's see. So, there is Imam Ul-Haq, Fakhar Zaman, Babar Azam. This, this is nailed, nailed in stone, right? Mm. Top three. Then you have Haris Sohail. But in place of Haris Sohail, maybe Abid Ali could go. But this is a maybe for me, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think that... Uh, I don't think that Abid Ali should replace Haris Sohail. I think Haris Sohail should go to the World Cup. But if it comes to that, uh, I don't think that Abed Ali or I don't think that Haris Sohail can replace Abed Ali or vice versa. I mm-hmm. think that uh, Abed Ali can be included in place of maybe Shoei, not Shoei Malik, but yeah, uh, yeah, you, you can go ahead. I'll talk about that later. All right. I think that makes sense. So uh, we wanted to also go into Shoei Malik. I think I forgot that, but we'll go through yeah, it. Yeah. So I have, have, I have a lot of issues. I have a lot of issues with Shoei Malik. We can discuss that later. Why, man? Yeah, we, uh, I, yeah. I, you know, I will defend him, right? He's our uh, son-in-law. <laughs> it's not really that easy. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> Shoei Malik, and then there's Mohammad Hafiz. So for me, uh, Mohammad Hafiz, because it's uh, he's a little bit on the edge uh, for the fitness. I think it might be Umar Akmal was what we had, but maybe Abid Ali can take his place. Umar Akmal is definitely out, right? Yeah, he's out. All right. So then maybe Abid Ali can take uh, Hafiz's place. Do you think so? Abid Ali, I don't think that uh, Mohammad Afiz, if if it comes down to Mohammad Afiz or Shoei Malik, uh, ah. they should go with Mohammad Afiz. But I think that both will be in the squad. Uh, Abid Ali probably won't be in the squad in place of anybody. So right. <laughs> that, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Then he has a problem. I'll tell you why. Because the rest of the squad selects itself. Sarfraz yeah, Ahmed, yeah, yeah. Mohammad you're right. Yes, Imad Wazim, right. Shadab Khan, Fahim Ashraf, Hassan Ali, 
So Shahin Shah Afridi. Okay. Now we have mm-hmm. two spots, fast bowlers left. So we sort of went through it previously as well. We have selected Junaid Khan ahead of Mohammad Amir, and we yes. have selected Usman Chinwari ahead of Mohammad Hasnain. This this okay. is our 15, right? So Imamul Haq, Fakhar Zaman, Babar Azam, Sohail, Hari Sohail, Shoaib Malik, Mohammad Hafiz, Sarfraz Ahmed, Mohammad Rizwan, Imad Wasim, Shadab Khan, Fahim Ashraf, Hasan Ali, Junaid Khan, Shahin Shah Afridi, and Usman Chinwari. Sorry, I just repeated it. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I agree with most of yours. I agree with probably all of your squad except for uh, or except for you know Haris Sohail versus Abed Ali. Uh, right. I don't think that Abed Ali will be in the squad. Uh, if it comes down to Haris Sohail or Abed Ali, they will go with Haris Sohail because Haris Sohail has a very very good ODI record recently. I think in his last yeah. 11 innings he has hit seven half centuries, including no seven fifty plus scores, including two centuries. So right. I don't think that. Ari Sohail is in any danger right now. In fact, if uh, Mohammad Hafiz is not fit, Ari Sohail is the logical replacement for Hafiz because both are uh, both are batsmen, but both can ball spin. And Ari Sohail yeah. is actually pretty handy with the ball as well. Yeah. So yeah. he could he could assist Imad Wasim or Shadab Khan uh, in the bowling in the World Cup as well. So Ari Sohail is a good option with the ball and with the bat. His Harris right. Wells' main problem is the strike rate. So ah. his strike rate, but his strike rate is still around 80, 85, 90. He can hit uh, big shots. He can hit big shots. So Harris Wells is in for the World Cup for me. He's one of my you know most favorite players in the Pakistan squad. So I may, I may be a bit biased, but I also like Abid Ali. But I don't think that Abid Ali makes the cut over uh, Harris Wells. And uh, okay. like you said, Shoaib Malik. Uh, Shoaib Malik. My issue with Shoaib Malik is that uh, Shoaib Malik is a bit, you know, his average in England is 13 at a strike rate of 64. His average in England is 13, if you can believe that. No, no, played, I, I remember this. Yeah, you already made this yeah, point in your podcast as well. And yeah, it's, returns, it's not uh, returns are diminishing. If I can use your parlance, he has yeah. diminishing returns suddenly out of nowhere. I don't know why. In the last one year, if you look at his performances, he has won matches from tough, tough situations more than once. But uh, you don't see that big hundred coming through. If for somebody batting at four or five, you know he's not hitting that yes. big. Hundred. He's like a finisher now. I don't know if he's happy hmm. with that role. But uh, yeah, you were saying 13, average 13 in England. Yeah, and it's not like he's played only a few matches. He's played quite a lot of matches. So yeah, uh, it's yeah, and it's and he's he's pretty experienced. So you can't excuse him for not performing at all. And his his average in, since first January 2018. It's 27 or 28, if I'm not wrong. So it's it's a very you know it's very difficult to see uh, a batsman who's not been not not been performing just make it on the basis of experience. So yeah, experience does play a role, but if if you're not performing with the bat, I don't see why you should be there in the squad over others who are more deserving. All right, here is some counterpoints, right? <laughs> so first of all. Uh, Yeah, experience is a big word, but experience is not anything if it can't translate to performance. I totally accept your point. You know, Misbah was experienced, Yunus Khan was experienced, but they showed it on the field, mm. right? That's important yeah. for me. Next yeah. one, he did not really distinguish himself at all as a captain. That was a big letdown for me. I don't know what was going on there. Maybe he didn't want to captain <laughs> yeah. or something against Australia. He looked flat uh, the first match. Yeah, I I I I agree with you. I agree. I you know. <laughs> If you've listened to our podcast, you know that I have very strong opinions about yes. Shoaib Malik. 
in the PSL as well. Uh, he was the worst captain out of all six teams. So Multan Sultans they finished second last, but uh, his team Multan Sultans they finished second last in the first season. He was with Karachi Kings. They finished second last, uh, <laughs> and uh, in the th- second season he wasn't captain. In the third season he captained Multan Sultans, and then they finished last. I think last or second last. So in the PSL as well he hasn't distinguished himself. He's hmm. he's pretty flat. He doesn't go with the best bowling options. He and with the he has he isn't the best strategically or tactically. In in South Africa, uh, Pakistan, uh, when Sarfraz Ahmed was banned for his for the incident, uh, Mushfiq mm-hmm. Malik replaced him as captain, yeah. and the Pakistan immediately won the next game. So there were people who were calling for Mushfiq Malik to become permanent captain on the basis oh, of yeah. one victory. Yeah. So that was very that was alarming because if you make captains on the basis of one victory or one performance, then what's the point of you know being groomed for being captain for a long time? Shoaib Malik in the past he was the captain, but in the past he had the benefit of seniors in the team. Right now he didn't have that, and it shows because he's a terrible captain tactically and strategically. He doesn't make the team on the basis of performance, and like you said, he doesn't make it in a leadership role as well. Yeah. Well, I mean. Of course, all your points are right. The only thing I can offer as a counterbalance, two things. Well, not just one. One, if he's used as a finisher, if Sharfraz Ahmed, Sharfraz Ahmed, or you know, Mohammad Rizwan, any of these guys, always bat ahead of him, he always comes at six, seven, eight. An average mm-hmm. of twenty-seven is okay, but you have to finish matches. You have to take the responsibility of taking the match till the end, taking the match yeah. till the last over, whatever you call that, right? That's one thing. He has yeah. to show that. But for me, what really bothers me is this: he's not bowling much. So as a bowling all-rounder or a a batsman who can bowl he's not contributing much or probably is not required but yeah. you know if you remove hafiz and malik from this middle order it looks like a bit thin for me that's my only problem right yeah. that's where yeah. i give him a benefit of doubt i'm hoping he'll come good you know but uh, yeah, but but the thing is that mohammad hafiz is better suited to the finishing role than uh, you know uh, shoaib malik Mohammad Afiz, if you remember the Champions Trophy final, which I'm sure you do, yeah. Mohammad Afiz was he played a very good role uh, down the order, and yeah. in even in the recent, even recently in the South Africa series, he in the first ODI that Pakistan won, Mohammad Afiz he was down the order, and when it was required, he hit big, he had good yes. shots, he finished the match for Pakistan. So Mohammad Afiz, uh, of recent, recent I wasn't a big fan of him at all, but recent, I'm not still, I'm still not a fan of his, but Recently, he's done very well down the order, so you can't, you know, uh, if it comes to that, Mohammad Afiz is a good option for finishing, especially since Pakistan don't have a big hitter down the order like mm-hmm. Asif Ali or Omar Akmal, but Mohammad mm-hmm. uh, Afiz can play the finishing role for Pakistan. Shoaib Malik, okay. I think that I I just don't agree with him being in the squad based on his terrible performances in England. So, mm. uh, but like I bet I'm pretty sure that he'll make it. All of us know that, you know, <laughs> Shoaib Malik is confirmed for the World Cup. So there's no yeah. point debating his squad, his place in the team, I think. But emotions still get the better of me each time. That's a fairly good discussion we had uh, about the squad as well. Let's look at a couple of uh, points that were sort of, you know, we parked on the side. One of them was indeed Shoaib Malik. We just finished that. The other one was, uh, you know, we had uh, recently in the news that uh, they made a new proposal for a first-class setup with eight teams. Uh, with uh, I think Harun Rashid was the chairman of the committee yes. and such, and yeah. it was Is shot it... down by Imran Khan. What are your thoughts on mm. this? Uh, I surprisingly I agree with the PCB on this one. You know, uh, they made uh, Imran Khan. He actually wants a structure of six teams, like in the Sheffield Shield in Australian domestic cricket. He wants yeah. six teams, 
uh, the four provinces, uh, two teams for Punjab, one for Sindh, one for Balochistan, one for KPK, and one for the rest of Pakistan or for uh, the federal areas, and I think Gilgit, Baltistan, etc. So I think that uh, that's a terrible move because right now in the Qaidazam Trophy, the premier domestic competition of Pakistan, you have 16 teams, uh, including eight departments and eight regional teams. Imran Khan wants just six teams for the regions, and he doesn't want want any role for the departments. The departments, I think that they've played a very very big role in domestic cricket. In our mm-hmm. podcast, we interviewed a uh, domestic coach, Atiko Zaman. He's played for okay. Pakistan as well, and Atiko Zaman he said that in the regions there is a lot of corruption, and uh, the the players don't receive their salaries on time. In fact, they don't even have salaries; they just have uh, daily allowances and uh, match fees. So, but okay. in the departments, they offer salaries, they they offer jobs. So, in departments, the players have a lot of opportunities to progress. But if if you hand over your uh, the control of your cricket, your domestic cricket to regional to regional boards, I don't think in Pakistan cricket that's a very good option at all. I don't think that's I think that's a pretty terrible idea to be honest because regions are very corrupt and uh, they don't give salaries. They don't. And more, and the most important thing is that six teams are not enough for the Pakistani mm-hmm. cricket population. Uh, we have 16 teams right now. If each team has 15 players, that makes around uh, 150 and 90. That makes around 240 to 250 players. Yeah. So if you reduce that to 90, you could say that the quality will increase, uh, the quantity will decrease, and the quality will increase. But I don't see that happening. Uh, player, the favorite players will still get their spots in the side. Mm. I don't think that's a very good idea. If yeah. if they, if Imran Khan wants a regional, uh, you know, a regional regional teams, the departments mm. could be sponsored by the uh, the regions could be sponsored by the departments. But Imran right. Khan rejected the PCB's proposal about that. And exactly. there, in my opinion, in my opinion, there should be at least eight to ten teams because six teams are simply not enough. Uh, if you see that this Karachi alone, Karachi alone has twenty to thirty players who can make it. Like Karachi alone can make two teams, when Lahore right. alone can make two teams, but right. Balochistan and KPK admittedly don't have many domestic players. KPK still has quite a few, but Balochistan has only three or four that are in the limelight. So, right. uh, I it could bring in new talent from the domestic structures, but I don't think that that's Imran Khan's proposal about six teams is a very good idea. Yeah, I mean, the only counterpoint, if at all, I sort of agree with most of what you said. Because given the how passionate uh, the people from our region are, it makes sense that there should be at least eight teams or even ten, probably, right? They can become two tiers rather than one tier, yeah. right? If you want to keep the yeah. top tier very competitive, you make sure there are two tiers. If required, keep it 12 teams or 10 teams, make it five and five or six and six. Then yeah. even, and I agree with you, like what departments have brought, Habib Bank, Pakistan Airlines, all of these people, right? They have brought a lot of professionalism to the setup. You don't want to completely yeah. discard that. That might not be a good idea. The last thing mm-hmm. is that, you know, I was recently listening to an interview of a Victoria coach, Victoria in Australia, right? The state team. Yeah. He said, we may not have a lot of representatives in the Australian setup, in the Australian teams, but what we provide is quality opposition at all times. So that the people, when they come down to play in the first class matches or in the list A matches in Australia, they don't have to worry. The opposition will still be very strong, right? This is something yeah, yeah. that has to be still kept uh, in check uh, or not. Uh, people would sort of lose uh, interest in playing the first class matches because they think, yeah, the competition is not comparable to international standards. That's something you don't want it to happen. So maybe then, right. as you say, 
there is a balance there that there are 10 teams maybe or 12 teams and there are two tiers right then that could sort of address both the points that's the only solution i could think of this is something i was thinking about as well but yeah but uh, it's 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 interesting always right i think they, are, they keep changing uh, the qaeda azam trophy formats very often it's changed like four or five times in the last 10 years if i'm not wrong so but i hope yeah, yeah. they arrive at the right uh, thing that matches each uh, see each country has its own england has 14 teams for such a small population australia has only five or six teams even though their population is small right and india god knows what the population is but we have uh, only 20 25 teams that's not a lot if you look at it but that's not the point it's what suits that region and what suits the people of that region i think so yeah sure they'll come up with the right approach a few trials and errors have to happen maybe i i can give you one insight why pa, imran is so sort of rigid about um, in uh, de- departments not being involved right so mm. in there i heard he was at when he was a player up and coming player this is in the late 70s right story that he was not treated well by something something one of those departments or one of those precursors to the department did not want to sponsor him or something that's one story i read the other is he played in domestic cricket in australia right he actually played yes, for south australia if i'm not wrong for a couple of seasons yeah he played in the 1980s late 1980s so late or mid 1980s i think he was able to see why that such a system would work because uh, this is a long long discussion i will bring it to a close shortly the idea is it was club cricket uh, sponsored so everything was club cricket and then there were these state teams on top of it that's how even now australian setup is even now in the netherlands mm-hmm. it's like that for example right but yeah. if you look at pakistan i think that club culture is not so strong anymore that's where you need the yeah, departments that still keep it going right i heard another uh, person talk about it that's why i have some views on this nonetheless uh, that was a good uh, discussion as well it's just a you know a discussion surrounding the ongoing things in pakistan uh, right now so thanks for your inputs on that okay. all right then. welcome all right then what do you think are pakistan's chances in the upcoming world cup 2019 So as far as Pakistan's chances in the World Cup are concerned I think that Pakistan uh is going to be a very tough tournament because this time all the teams will have to play each other at least once and I think that Pakistan uh, will need to pull their socks up they will have to be very good from the start of the tournament because Pakistan usually have slow starts in World Cup tournaments but hopefully uh this time they can do well from this very start The first match I think is against West Indies on the 31st of May. Uh, I'm not quite sure about the date but uh, I think you would know better. Uh Pakistan they always like I said they have had slow starts but this time they'll have to do very well from the very start. All the teams are very tough including Afghanistan, Sri Lanka, West Indies who are the lower ranked teams but even they can pull off upsets. They can be they can be very good on their day. So Pakistan can Pakistan has to do very well but if but if pakistan manages to somehow reach the semi finals if they if the momentum carries them that far i think that the momentum could carry them towards the final and hopefully when they could win the world cup but uh, realistically uh, pakistan don't have the strongest squad uh, compared to teams like india or england uh, or even new zealand new zealand have a very good squad india has a very good squad and, but these teams uh, all all of them are ranked above pakistan and that's for a reason but pakistan have always surprised us uh, they won when it's most unlikely they lose when it's most likely for, uh, you know when when you rate them the highest that's when they're more likely to lose so pakistan 
I think realistically you're looking at a fifth or fourth or fifth position in the tournament. But because England in England they've always managed to do well. In 2009 they won the World T20. In 2017 they won the Champions Trophy. Indeed. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I agree with your assessment there. I think they'll finish around fourth or fifth in this World Cup. So we are going to put out our team uh, later on Twitter and on Facebook. So if you have any more comments or if you want to revisit that uh, or something, we would really welcome your comments again, uh, Arham. Thank All right you. then. Thanks a lot for uh, being a part of uh, Armchair Cricket Podcast's uh, review of Pakistan's it's, chances in the World Cup. Right. It's been my pleasure to be here. And we had a very good discussion today. Hopefully we can collaborate more in the future. Indeed. That will be perfect. Thanks a lot, Arham. Take care. No problem. Okay, now. Now then, Kiri, that was a very nice chat I had with Arham and he has given us his thoughts about Pakistan's chances. What have you to say? Well, um, let's look at uh, the matches that uh, Pakistan are playing in this World Cup. They start against West Indies at Trent Bridge on the 31st of May. Um, I'm going to give it to West Indies. So I'm going to say West Indies is going to win this uh, against Pakistan. Um, at the same ground, they play against uh-huh. uh, England on the 3rd of June. Um, I think England are a bit too strong for Pakistan. So England will probably win this uh, because also England is the number one side, right? In one ODI cricket at the moment. So uh, the next match is against Pakistan, uh, Pakistan and Sri Lanka. They play at Bristol. And I think Pakistan... He's uh-huh. probably stronger than Sri Lanka here. And Pakistan might, or I think should be able to win this in principle. So I'm going to say Pakistan will win this. After that, we have uh, Australia playing against Pakistan. Australia is, you know, uh, is is uh, is, is uh, picking up momentum. So I'm going to say Australia is going to win this, considering the recent results. Uh-huh. And at Old Trafford on the 16th of June, this is what we all want to watch. You know, this is... This is probably the highlight of the whole World Cup. India is going to play Pakistan. And right. based on current right. form, I'm going to say India, but I think it's probably too difficult to call. Pakistan might Pakistan might be able to, you know, <laughs> uh, shock the world by winning against India, but I'm still going to say India. Um, the next match, Pakistan play against South Africa at Lords considering the previous ODI series between South Africa and Pakistan, although Pakistan, I think, did not play up to full strength. Uh, I'm going to say South Africa is going to win this. Uh-huh. Uh, the next match is between New Zealand and Pakistan. I will say New Zealand will win this. Um, and the last two matches that Pakistan play will be against the other subcontinent teams. Uh, first one against Afghanistan. I think Pakistan is a bit too strong for Afghanistan there. Uh, they should win it. Uh-huh. The last one that they play is on the 5th of July against Bangladesh. I think Pakistan will win that. Okay. So just maybe, uh, running through this and then I see, I think I said three wins for Pakistan out of uh, nine matches. With some shocks in between, I don't know, but I'm going to stick with three for now. They'll not make it to uh, the semifinals. What are your predictions, Ajit? I sort of agree with you, Giri, except that, you know, the match against South Africa, I would give it to Pakistan. You know, I agree. The recent uh, results sort of were against 
Pakistan. They lost the series final, whatnot. But when it comes to the big tournaments, they are able to pull themselves together. Mm-hmm. If you look at the positioning of this match, this is in the second half of their draw mm-hmm. as well, or the second half of their number of matches. Mm-hmm. So I would say that gives them a very good chance, right? Mm-hmm. So because they would be sort of firing on all their cylinders, if I'm actually use this term, right? Mm-hmm. So they would have warmed up nicely and they would probably, they have a bit of one way or the other. If they beat India, they have the confidence going through or if they lose to India, they have a point to prove to the public back home. So this sort of will spur them really on. So I want to give this match to Pakistan. The rest of the mm-hmm. your predictions, I agree with you, but so that will make it four wins for Pakistan. Mm-hmm. So now that basically means if they can, let's say, beat West Indies or if they can beat New Zealand, if they can surprise New Zealand or whatnot, they'll be on a winning streak. That might actually give them a chance of getting qualified for the next knockout section. So for me, I sort of agree with you. They might not make it or they might be the fifth best team in the World Cup. But mm-hmm. on a good good sort of a fortnight, if they have a good fortnight, they might actually make the semis here. This is my prediction. Right, right. All right. Yeah. Let, let's not forget, they, they did win against India in the Champions uh, Trophy final last time around. So... And that was towards the end of the tournament. And the first match they played was against India. They were still, you know, a bit rusty. So they lost against India. And by the end, they were really good. They were playing really well. well let's not forget uh, how well Fakhar Zaman played that uh, in that match. Right? So, right. Also, how well Amir bowled, of course. That was a of big... Course, uh, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, we already made the prediction of the team. So let's see. I mean, uh, I'm really curious how this will all uh, turn out in the end. Hmm? Okay, then. Uh, so, then let's look at the others section, maybe. You know, let's look at the other important events in world cricket that are sort of very important and, you know, would have some impact. So, first of all, we can quickly look at the UAE versus Zimbabwe match, which Zimbabwe sort of narrowly won, right? Or let me put it UAE narrowly lost because it was a, this is the second ODI of the series that are they're playing. And in this match, you can see that, you know, um, Zimbabwe had a target of 210 runs from 35 overs. They had gotten to 102 runs with about uh, four wickets lost. But uh, because of the way they had played and they were at 185, they were declared winners by Duckworth Lewis, right? So that was a bit of a disappointment. The coach of uh, UAE, Mr. Dougie Brown, had to say that, and I agree with them. So it would have been a very narrow loss considering that they only won by four runs Zimbabwe. This is a good point. So, for me, I think it would have been nice if they had somehow found a way to play those four overs. I would have, I was under the impression UAE would have come across as the winners. So, they were really unlucky to miss out, right? This is one point. So, going on, the other point we would like to mention is, well, Floyd Reefer has taken over as the coach of the West Indian uh, team. So, if you remember in our previous match, we were talking about, you know, him probably, or rather, you know, the changes in the top at the West Indian uh, Cricket Board means that they may actually revisit the coaching staff and this yeah. has actually come to pass. So they've actually sacked Richard Pivas as the coach and Floyd Reefer takes over as the coach. This is not the only change, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So the selection committee has also been sacked, led by Courtney Brown, right? They have, re- choose to, they have chosen to replace the entire selection committee and that basically means there's a new player or a new, let's say, selector called Robert Haynes, who, who also played for Wendy's back in the day, if I remember right. He is the, now the chief selector and there's an interim, you know, selection committee. Mm-hmm. This is the other thing. So, with this, I would say, um, I think we get to, we may get to see some of these disenfranchised players come in and get a chance, right? Mm-hmm. So, with that, 
uh, I think let's see. Let's see. This sounds like a good thing as far as West Indian cricket is concerned. All this sounds like good things, but you know, it's too early to say how the but, you know Ricky Skerritt's uh, management will be. Yeah, you have anything to add? Too many changes at the same time. Is it also a good thing? We don't know, man. I mean, look with West Indies, probably they have they'll take a little bit of time to settle down because you know they are also trying a couple of new players and an old a couple of older players as well. Like, you know, for example, uh, they are trying to pick uh, Shannon Gabriel and a couple of other players as well, right? Back right. Those okay. Players. So well, Shannon Gabriel was more of a test specialist, right? So they are giving him a chance in the ODI format as well. Again. Uh huh. So they want to see because look, he had a very impactful uh, tour of the. England, right? So they want to try to give him a chance to see if he can also maybe win a match or become mm-hmm. at least in a part of the 15 as far as West Indies are concerned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Ah, all right. Yeah. All right then. So let's move on to the next point. That is, well, I mean, Tom Latham will captain a very, very weak New Zealand team, a New Zealand A team, if I may call it that, against Australia in three World Cup warm-up matches. Anything to say, Giri? Well. <laughs> World Cup matches against Australia. Hear me out here, and this is being played at Brisbane. And what time of the year is it now? It's April, and they are probably approaching winter now in uh, Australia, right? And Brisbane is not at the uh-huh. north of Australia; it's not near the tropics. So, how cold is it going to be there, and how are they going to play cricket in such cooler conditions? And what difference is it going to make, uh, you know, in terms of warm-up? Because their core strength is probably playing IPL or taking some rest. What Absolutely. are they trying to achieve here? What are they trying to achieve? Looks like a contractual thing by the looks of it. Really, both the teams are not in a position to send their A teams, right? So it's it's a looks very much like a, this Trans Tasman Trophy looks like a contractual thing now. Well, okay. Good luck to both teams though. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense to play at Brisbane, like I said, but uh, well, let's see. We'll probably read out the results uh, as it happens uh, in the coming episodes. Aha. Uh-huh. All right. Now. Let's now uh, look at the trivia question of the week, Kiri. We have done with, uh, or we have wrapped up all the business of this week. So let's look at the trivia question of the week. So the trivia question this week is, who's the oldest World Cup winning captain, World Cup 50 or World Cup winning captain, right? So we have a couple of contenders. So if you go through them, I think the name is very obvious. And also, as we always give you a hint, it's very, it's very much related to the team that we always talk about in this episode. So. Good luck to all our listeners, and we hope we can get some nice input from you guys. Right? All right then. Having said all that, guys, uh, please write in your answers to uh, maybe using our Twitter account at Armchair Quick Pod or using our Facebook page. You can get in touch with us using our Facebook page. You could also sort of you know write into us using our mail id armchair.cricket@gmail.com. Right? So we would like to listen uh, to your thoughts about our episodes, like. Uh, user got in touch with us on twitter this is very good always feedback is welcome also if you want to maybe have a get guest part in the podcast we would like to encourage you to write into us right with all this said and done i think we've reached the part of the episode where i can say that's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to Armchair Cricket Podcast.